Good morning. Uh, this morning's scripture is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 to 7 on page number 555 in the Bibles under the chairs in front of you. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business, and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Aaron. Um. Just real quickly before we get started, uh, I want to let you all know, um, I'm, I'm pretty excited. T- my son Tucker and I, uh, tonight at 8 o'clock or, well, about midnight, uh, our plane leaves and we are going to be flying uh, to China for 10 days. Uh, we're going to far western China. Um, we have an opportunity, we've been invited to go over there and teach a group of pastors um, it's only about, about 20 pastors that are going to come in from all around Western China and, uh, and, and teach them the Word of God. Many of these guys and gals don't have Bibles or they don't have full Bibles. And, um, and so, you know, everything uh, that I've ever heard about them is, boy, we get together and, and they are scrambling to try and take down every word that you give them so that they can go back and, uh, to their people and can preach the Word of God to them. And the astounding thing is that these 20 individuals represent something like three to 500,000 people. This is an incredible opportunity for us. So when we got invited to do this, we thought, you know what, we're going to step up and we're going to do this. And, and, uh, and, and so what we're going to do as a church is, I just want you to know, this is part of your missions giving we are, we are um, actually paying for these pastors, and many of them are very, very poor, subsistence living, uh, never had an education, and that we're going to be paying for them to come in uh, to this. We'll meet downstairs in a basement in a hotel uh, it, uh, in a, a very far away place. And it's going to take us nearly three days to get where we're going. Uh, and and um, uh, we're going to meet with them for three full days, morning to evening, uh, teaching them the Word of God. And so we're paying for their lodging, we're paying for their meals, we're going to do all that. And that's going to cost us somewhere, I don't know, between $7,000 and $10,000 when all is said and done for us to do something like this. But look, when I look at that and go, man, (laughs) if it's $10,000 for 500,000 people, that's worth every penny that we spend on that. And I'm letting you know that because I just want you to know that if that's something that's close to your heart and you want to give to this, then you can give 
um, and and w- you know we we would welcome that. Uh, but also let you know that if you, any missions giving that is done today is going to go toward that and us being able to go over there and minister to these uh, these pastors. This is just an incredible opportunity, and I want to tell you that a because you can give, but 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 probably more importantly, if you would just remember Tucker and I as we go and these pastors be praying for them that God the word of God would uh, would be powerful for them and they could take that back. I'm just going to teach through two books of the Bible. Uh, it's going to be a marathon. We're just going to get after it and, uh, and, and, and you know, just give them as much of the word of God as we can. And so be praying for us, uh, be praying for our safety and our health and all that, but more importantly, be praying that the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit comes to rest upon us as we teach and, and, and help these, these men and women uh, so that they can go back to their tribes, they can go back to their regions, and they can, they can, uh, they can preach the word of God. Uh, and, and then finally, you know, I, I tell you that, and I always hesitate. I never want to tell people I'm gone um, because, and I, and I hate this, because there's some people um, that would say, well, Pastor Chris isn't going to be there, therefore I, d- I don't need to go to church this weekend, which is just as ridiculous as it sounds, right? And, and I, ho- I don't want to be that church. I just don't want to be that church, right? I don't want you to be those people. I want us to go, you know what? The word of God is going to be preached, right? At Foothill Church, we're just going to keep marching through Scripture. So you're going to continue to be fed. And as we're going to talk about this morning, you ought to want to come to listen and to hear and to be fed by the word of God. So I hope, you'll, hope you won't just go, hey, you know what? I'll take a pass. Um, I don't think I'm really that great. So I, I, it's not that. I just know there's people that do that. And I, don't, I, don't, I just don't want us to be that. I, I want you to come and, and be faithful and, and do what you normally do and, and listen uh, to the word of God and, and be touched by that, okay? So uh, it's going to be a great 10 days for us. We're, we're excited for you guys. And we'll be back on thir- the, the 13th of, of, uh, of February and just excited to see what, what God does, okay? All right, well, we are back in Ecclesiastes chapter uh, 5 this morning, and those of you who haven't been here as we've gone through the book of Ecclesiastes, we started this back in September, and we're just kind of marching through the book of Ecclesiastes, just book by book, and, uh, or verse by verse, and we, uh, we're trying to listen to what this writer, his, it's Solomon, Solomon is the, the son of David, Solomon is the king of Israel, and he set out, he tells us, on this grand experiment to figure out what life was like under the sun and see if there's any meaning under the sun, and under the sun is his way of talking about life without God. What we've said before is kind of, is there any meaning? Can I, can I figure out the, the absurdity, the craziness of this world? If I'm, if I'm looking up underneath the loom of a tapestry and I'm underneath that tapestry, it looks like just a bunch of random threads. And this is what Solomon says. I mean, it just, it a lot of ways doesn't make sense. But every now and again, through the eyes of faith, I'm able to rise above the loom and I see what's going on. And so you're going to see Solomon go back and forth between this. And today, if you will, he's kind of, he's kind of rising above the loom and he's, he's telling us something uh, very, very practical. So let me start like this um, uh, with a question. What, what would it be like if Satan, the devil, were in control of our community? I mean, just flat out, everything's going the way he wants. He's calling the shots. There's no pushback. Everything is according to his plan. You think about that, you let your mind go wild, you're thinking, man, it'd be anarchy, it'd be crazy. I mean, there'd be, you know, cult worship, there'd be, there'd be uh, uh, 
you know, uh, pornography and sexual deviancy. And I mean, probably churches would be burned down and graffiti everywhere and gangs running through the street and, you know, just horrible, you know, this sort of Ghostbusters apocalyptic moment, you know, human sacrifices, dogs and cats living together, mayhem, right? I mean, just, just craziness happening in the world. Donald Gray Barnhouse was a, uh, was a pastor about 50 or 60 years ago in Philadelphia, I believe it was, and he asked that question to his congregation 50 or 60 years ago and, uh, and said, I don't think it would be like that at all. So let me paraphrase what he said. He says, I, I don't think any of that stuff would, would be true. He said, in fact, I think it'd be very much the opposite. He said, I think, I think bars would be closed. I think pornography would be banned. I think in our day, medicinal marijuana would be a thing of the past. I mean, I think you'd see clean swept streets. I think everything would be pristine. I think you'd walk by people and they'd say hi and they'd smile at you. Children would say yes, ma'am and no, sir. And, uh, and churches every weekend would be filled to capacity where Jesus isn't preached and where God is not feared. Where people just on a weekly basis go to church, go through the motions, right, fill up the churches, they're faithful and all that, but they wouldn't come to worship God in fear and reverence, and they wouldn't come to hear about the redemptive work of Christ. Because the fact of the matter is that one of Satan's greatest schemes in the world, the thing maybe he loves as much as anything, is religion. Just religion. Where rel- Christless religion Non-God-fearing religion. Because if he can get you to do that, man, he, he can get you to believe, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need anything else. So when Ecclesiastes is written, Solomon sat down and, and um, he's looking around. Ecclesiastes is written during a time where it was a, 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 relig- a very religious culture, right? I mean, the temple was built, sacrifices were being offered, people were doing their religious duty, you know, week after week, exactly the motions they were supposed to go through. They were in an economic boom. I mean, people could make and lose fortunes overnight. Everything was going well. There was no war. Solomon, whose name, the root of his name means shalom, peace. He's a king that brings peace, and, and so there's no unrest in his day. The economy is booming. In other words, during the time when Solomon is writing this, as he looks back on his life, he goes, man, life is great. People are busy doing what they want to do. They're filling up their days and then doing their religious duty. God was just an item to be checked off. God's just kind of part of my life. And if history has taught us anything, it's that when times are good, worship is bad. Very often, very bad. I'm not talking about musical worship. I'm just talking about our worship of God. Church is just a social gathering place. We come to do our religious thing for the weekend and then we get on with real life throughout the week. I mean, this is just that little hour and a half that I spend. So so Solomon takes up his pen and it's astonishing what he does here in verses one through seven. He literally tells us like how to get ready for the weekend, like how to get ready to go worship God, what to do and what not to do, okay? Okay. And so we'll give you four things, and like we normally do, I'll just sort of march through this passage verse by verse and and see what he says. So let's start in verse 1 again, and here's what Solomon says. He says, listen up. Okay, so let's just start reading verse 1 together. He says, first of all, guard your steps when you go into the house of God. He literally means just be careful. Be careful how you approach God in worship. Keep watch on what you do. 
Okay, there, you, don't, you don't divorce who I am Monday through Friday or Saturday and then who I am on, on Sunday, right? I keep watch on that throughout. So, so, so let me start by asking you a question this way. How did you prepare to come today? You're all clothed. Good, good for you. Um, so so how, how, what did you do to go, you know what? I want to be ready to go and meet with God. Uh, if you go to Israel, um, we went this past summer, and I'm hopeful that we can take another trip in 2015 for those of you who would want to go, but um, we'll take you to the temple steps that lead up to uh, the entrance into the temple, and these are steps that no doubt Jesus walked on during his day. Uh, but it's interesting, if you look carefully at the temple steps, because as they go up to the temple, to the temple mound, so you, you know, there's the mound up there. I'm talking about when going up even on the, it, before you get there, you kind of walk up these steps on, on the, I think it's the south side. And as you, as you walk up, you look at the steps and they're, they're all uneven. There's like a wide one and then two short ones and then another wide one, and then another short one, and two wide ones. And, and they do this all the way up to where the entrance would have been. You think, well, why would they do that, right? I mean, that's, that's uh, they, they, they weren't very good stair builders. Well, that's not it at all. The, these people were genius builders, as you will see. Uh, if you ever go and, and look at how they put things together, they were absolute geniuses, and they did that on purpose. And why would they do it? So that you, so that a worshiper going up to worship God would guard his steps, would watch carefully, would go, oh, I can't just, I can't just run up these. Like I, okay, I've got to think I'm going to the house of God. I mean, do you, do you think like this? Because like you're getting ready and thinking, I'm going to church today. Do you stop to consider what you're doing when you go to church? Like this isn't a social club, right? We're not, we're not just going to see friends. We're, we're not just punching our religious clock. We're going, if you will, to the house of God. You're entering into a place where God condescends the God of the universe to stoop down and meet with his people. It's unbelievable what, what this is all about. So how do we guard our steps? What does that look like, Solomon, for us to guard our steps when we go to the house of God? Well, let's now keep reading. To draw near, to listen, is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. They're just, they don't know. Well, he says the way you guard your steps is you listen. This is now, he's going to start talking about, we're going to talk about the sacrifice of fools in a minute, what that means. But right here, he just says, look, listen up. That's the way, that's the first way I want you to guard your steps. When you go, you go to listen. Jesus says it this way. Jesus is teaching. And he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, he's talking to people with ears, right? I mean, you can look and see these fleshly protrusions coming out of the side of their skull, right? Everybody, they've got ears. They're not deaf people. And he says, if you have ears, I want you to hear. You've got to really hear what I'm saying. See, because we understand, right? We know that it's possible for somebody to, let's say it this way, hear without listening, right? I mean, this is the, this is the husband who's reading the 
newspaper and his wife's talking and he's like, yes, dear. I, and he has no idea what she's saying, right? It's just, it's, it's just noise in his ear. This is the parent who's trying to, you know, talk to their kid, playing a video da- game. Yes, mom and dad. Okay, yeah, 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 I'll do it. Did you hear anything I said? No, not really. It's possible to, to sort of have your eardrum vibrating and you actually not to listen to anything. And Solomon says, when you go to church, go to really listen, actively hear what's being said. To hear the word of God. And biblically speaking, the way you know someone has listened. If you want to know if I've listened to anything, then it's not, can I sit down and can you tell me the big idea of the sermon? Can you sit down and if I gave you a test, would you get an A, a B, a C, a D, an F? That, that isn't how the Bible speaks. The Bible always talks about we will obey if we've really listened. There's actually action. In fact, you go and look at every time the Bible says that God hears. If God hears something, God does something. Sometimes God says, I'll turn my ears away from you. I'll I'll be deaf to your cries. I won't do anything. This is what he means. So so listening, in fact, listen and obey very often in Scripture are interchangeable words. Some of the writers will talk about obedience and some will talk about listening. And the idea behind listening is that you actually do what I say. You do what Scripture says. So so now think about this. What's your primary motivation for, for coming to church? Well, you guys got great coffee at Foothill Church. We do. Uh, A lot of friends of mine go to Foothill Church. Good. Yeah, I like your music, okay? Growth groups, okay? You know what I love? You guys are only an hour and 15 minutes and I can be done. What's your motivation? Well, I want my kids in a religious environment. Because Solomon says that we need to draw near first and foremost so that we're not fools to listen, to hear from God. I mean, all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, there's this great passage, if you've read it, that says God's commanding, and the first words out of his mouth are, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But you won't get to the loving until you first got to the hearing. You need to hear what I'm about to say. That's what God says. So you have to understand that hearing, biblically speaking, is a matter of life and death. Let me show you what I mean. Turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Go back into your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. Yeah, page 946 of the Bible is in front of you. And, and go down to verse 13. And Paul's going to say, this is how someone becomes a Christian. You ready? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Praise God. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Okay, but keep going. But how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? So believing is a prerequisite to calling. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? So hearing is a prerequisite to believing, which is a prerequisite to calling. And how are they to hear without someone preaching. So I need to keep doing this, right? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? 
And look at this last one. So faith, bottom line, he says, faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of Christ. You see this? If you don't really hear, you cannot be saved. You will spend a Christless eternity apart from God. Now, how do you do that? What do we hear that awakens faith in our hearts? The gospel, scripture. It's not me. It's not, you know, I really feel bad if you don't listen to me as a pastor. That's not the issue at all. It's you have to hear what the word of God's saying. Now, that means it's incumbent upon me to tell you what the word of God is saying, to look at it together, open it up, and unpack it with you. But now you've got to hear. We could skip forward to Hebrews chapter 11, you know, where, where, where the writer of Hebrews says that, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Like, I can't, I can't go to heaven. I can't be in his presence, right? This is massive. This means I cannot be saved apart from faith. Faith in Christ, what Christ has done for me. And where do I find out what Christ has done for me? In Scripture. I have to hear this. But if I don't hear, if I don't really hear what it says, I will be separated from God forever. If I don't really hear, there's no growth in my life. I have to hear and obey. I have to actively listen. How do you do that? How do you actively engage so that you don't just walk out of here and it's just a bunch of words? Let me suggest some things for you, okay? Number one, and huge, bring your Bibles and open them. Like one of the things I love about Foothill Church is to look around and people got their Bibles open on them and they're following along as we do this. Bring your, if you don't have a Bible, there's one near you. And if you want a really nice Bible, we have a lost and found. You can have one. Um, We'll give you, I mean, we'll give you, we got Bibles, uh, we love giving people Bibles. I'm serious. Like if you don't have one, but bring it, open it, listen to it, follow along. That's what we do here. We try not to just jump off on subjects. We want to, we want to help you dive into the word of God. Listen to the word of God. How about this? Take notes. You know that I think studies say we retain something like 10% of what we hear you retain upwards of 30, 40, 50% of what you write down. We've given you note cards if you want to use those. I mean, you, some of you have journals. I mean, just whatever. Just write things down. Get them on a piece of paper. Not because you're going to keep these things forever and file them away, because you're going, okay, I, I, I want to learn here. God, this is really important that I hear from you today. Number three, get in a growth group. In other words, surround yourself with people who will say, it's not just good enough that we heard something on Sunday, on, on the weekend. We actually want to unpack this together and start applying it. We, we want to know how do we take this and do something with our life. We want to be obedient to what God has laid in our hearts. I mean, I grew up where I went to church on Sunday morning and went back on Sunday night and went back on Wednesday night. And, and then, you know, sometimes there was even stuff in between there, right? I mean, there was a lot of church going. And every time I'd hear another sermon and that sermon would have about three or four things that I was supposed to do or not supposed to do. At the end of the week, I had like nine, 12 things I was supposed to do. Well, how about this? We give you one sermon, one sermon a week for you to then unpack with other people in a growth group. And so, okay, how do we apply this? What does this look like? 
And then number four, how about, how about you just pray? Pray. Pray that God will give you ears to hear when you come in to hear what he wants to say to you. That's how you actively listen when it comes to church. So the first thing Solomon says is listen up, okay? Second thing he says is shut up, <laughs> okay? So let's read. Verse two, it's not my words. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you're on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. See, see some, some of you, you come to church and your whole agenda is I got to get something from God. I got to get something off my chest. I've got this stuff and I want to get there and explain to God what I want. I'm here because I need this. I need that. I want that relationship. I want that job. I want you to do this for me. They don't start by listening. Listening is not key to them. They just want to unload. They, they, they want to start talking. And this is what Solomon says is the sacrifice of fools. They're fools. And I want you to notice a couple things. He says that fools think they should have the first word. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. I got to have the first word here. See, a fool doesn't come to worship and bow down before God and listen and say, God, what are you saying? He comes to get some things off his chest. He doesn't consider that he's in the presence of the sovereign Lord of the universe. <laughs> think about this. This is who we're worshiping. And so we treat God like our buddy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the Lone Ranger and he's my Tonto. I'm in the driver's seat, he's my co-pilot. And so church is all about us and it's not about God and his glory. I mean, th think about it. We, we, don't, we don't recognize who we're coming in the presence of. If, if you went home and tomorrow you got the, an invitation or a phone call from the White House that said, please, we want you to come and we want you to meet with President Obama. Or you got a call from Buckingham Palace saying, we want you to come meet with the Queen for whatever, whatever, right? So you, you know, I'm actually going to go and be in the presence of the President of the United States. Whatever you think about Barack Obama, that's, that's not the issue. I'm going to go and be in the presence of the Queen of England, whatever, right? What would you do? Well, I, I'm, I'm guessing you'd probably shower, right? You'd probably think, uh, what am I going to wear? I really got to think about this. I, I'm going to be in the presence of somebody really important. I mean, I mean, I mean you know, I'm going to get my nails done. Not me, but you know what I'm saying? I, I, Get, 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 get to make sure I'm presentable. And then, you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to walk in and go, yo, what's up, President Obama? Hey, Queenie. Right? What's, what's happening? Right? You're going to walk in, and you're probably going to wait for them to talk to you, and you're going to sort of follow rules of decorum. I'm not suggesting to you that you can't talk to God. I'm saying, have you stopped to consider Every knee on heaven and earth and under the earth will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. Have you ever thought about this? I mean, every president, prime minister, king, prefect, governor in the entire world will one day bow before him. And this is who we get to worship every single week. What are we doing? 
This is what fools do. Fools walk in and say, man, I should be able to talk. But then he says, fools think that God is impressed with a word count. I mean, you see this? Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. See, see, some of us act like fools when we pray. Like we think the more words, the better the prayer. The more flowery the language, the more spiritual. You know, if I do use more King James language when I pray, even though I don't have, I never talk like that. But when I pray, it's got to be these and thous and oh, holy father, and right? I mean, it's got to be big words. Some of you think that when Paul commands you to pray without ceasing, it's sort of your invitation to pray a sermon. I mean, I honestly think that some of us believe prayer is like, you know, there's this lock of God's will, this safe, this vault, and his will is inside of there, and I got to get in that vault. And so maybe if I just use a bunch of combination of different words and put my ear to it, and if I can hear the pins drop, ah, oh, there's, you know, and the more I say, the better chance I have that God will open up his vault. You know, there's this whole evangelical subculture and youth camp culture, right, where it's just, boy, I, I got to pray, and I got to pray a lot of words, and so I just fill in every space with Jesus, Father, God, Father, Jesus, God, Father, Jesus, Jesus, God, Father. I'm trying to just get words out, and I'm hoping you're pleased with all of these things that I'm saying. No pauses, right, because pauses are bad, apparently. And then you look at Jesus. You ever thought about this? Right? Most of us, if you grew up in a, some sort of Christian culture at all, or you went to a Christian school, Catholic school, whatever, you were probably taught what we call the Lord's Prayer. Right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know how many words are in the Lord's Prayer? 52. Jesus says, pray like this. 52 words. If you're reading Greek, it's 57. That's like two tweets. Unless you think I'm exaggerating. Like, you know, they don't need to be long and flowery. Listen to what, in, this is Matthew 6, 52 words is, is the Lord's Prayer. And right before Jesus gives, when his di- disciples say to him, Jesus teaches how to pray. And he says this, okay, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Before I do, let me tell you this. When you pray, chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, do you know why most people pile up words? Because we put little thought into what we're praying. In fact, depending on the subculture of Christianity you grew up in or your background, you were in some ways taught that written prayers were less valuable than extemporaneous from the heart prayers, right? I mean, wow, you just came up with that on your own? I did, from the heart, right there. Did you hear that? That was eloquent. I mean, prayers just come from our heads. They come from our hearts. They just rattle them out with no pauses. You understand, we're talking to God. Do we ever stop and think about what we're saying? I mean, Jesus said, I'm going to give you a pattern for prayer. I'm going to show you, and you don't have to keep up words. You don't have to sit there and go, am I, am I unlocking the combination? God, have I gotten through now? Because I'm not sure I have, and I need to keep talking. You're praying to God. 
I mean, listen, listen to Annie Dillard. Annie Dillard sort of gives a critique of modern evangelical Christianity. She says, does anyone have the foggiest idea what sort of power we so blithely invoke? Or as I suspect, does no one believe a word of it? Churches are like children playing on the floor with their chemistry sets, mixing up batches of TNT. It is madness to wear ladies' straw hats and velvet hats to church. Instead, we should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews, for the sleeping God may awake someday and take offense, or the waking God may draw us out to where we can never return. Maybe she's extreme. but maybe we're flippant. See, your words matter. How you approach God matters. And sometimes, look, isn't this true? Sometimes you don't know what to say. Like, you're just broken. I don't, I don't even know how to come to you, God. I don't know what to say. My words aren't eloquent. I, got, I, I, I feel like I'm just, I'm just my, 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 my insides are all tied up in knots. And I love what Paul says. Romans, Romans 8, 26, he says, the Spirit, in those moments, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. You ever feel like that? I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I, I just kind of, oh, I don't know what to say. And, and he's God in heaven. He knows. And in those moments, the Spirit helps you. I don't have to unlock the combination. God's going, I see it. I see your heart. You're coming to me. You don't know what to say. Shh. And there's sometimes, though, when that's not us, sometimes we're just flat out flippant. We think we can say anything as long as we tack on in Jesus' name at the end, right? Whatever you want to pray, just say in Jesus' name, and that's the magic formula. See, see prayer is not a thoughtless exercise. Approaching God is not a thoughtless exercise. And that's really where I want to push us. How much thought do you give to what this means every weekend? See, we don't come to church first to talk. We come first to listen. That's how we learn. Okay, well, let's keep going. Number three, he says, pay your vows. Look at this. Look at verse, verse four. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? This is, this is big. Okay. The way some people approach God is they go, you know what, God? I'm coming, and because I'm in a jam right now, I promise to do this if you'll do that. So my prayers are filled with promises and we think that somehow if I make these promises I can manipulate God's will. If you'll just get me out of this pinch 
or we, you know, want to impress people that I made these big promises to God. I mean, Doug Wilson says, talking about what you will do is a good, low-cost way to enhance your reputation at the church. That's essentially what Ananias and Sapphira, if you don't know the story, Ananias and Sapphira, they were part of the early church, Acts chapter 5. They tell the apostles that, hey, I'm gonna, we're going to sell everything and we're going to give it to the church. But the Bible actually tells us they sold, they, they, they sold everything. They, kept, they sold a field, whatever it was. They, they kept part of it to themselves. Then they went and told everybody, oh, we gave everything to the church. God literally struck them dead for lying to the Holy Spirit. I want to appear better than I am. I'll make these promises that look great. I'll actually do something else. Now, think of all the vows we make in church. Wedding vows. Baby dedications. The appointment of pastors, elders, deacons, right? And some of you are like, whew, I'm not married. I don't have a baby and I'm not a pastor, so I'm good. How about this? You say things like, God, if you'll just heal me then. God, if you'll just give me that job then. God, if you'll just make sure my girlfriend is not pregnant, then please, then I will, then you'll what? I'll read Leviticus. I mean, I'll just torture myself, right? I'll, I'll, I'll serve you. I'll stop looking at porn. I'll be a good dad. I won't cheat on my exams. I won't cheat on my taxes. Then my life will be sold out to you. I'll give 28% of my income. I'll never touch a woman again until I'm married. I'll become a missionary, God, if you'll just do this for me. I mean, if you'll, you'll give me a wife, because look at me, God. My belly's growing. My hair is receding. I'm kind of running out of my shelf life. Then I'll love her. And God gives you a wife and you don't love her. See, some of you have made all kinds of vows. Some of you have made vows to serve. You're not going to serve. Every week it's your turn to serve. You have some excuse. Some of you have promised to give a portion of your income. You're not doing it. Some of you have made pledges to the MOVE campaign. You have absolutely no intention of fulfilling and by the way, lest you think I'm making too much of the financial aspect of this, look at what he says. No, do you notice how many times he says, when you vow a vow, do not delay paying it. Pay your vows. Better that you should not vow than vow and not pay. Don't make financial pledges to God. I don't, I don't care if you tell them to me or not. Don't make financial pledges to God and then say, you know, yeah, yeah I didn't really mean that. That's what he means by the messenger. So somebody from church, like let's say you, you know, in those days, they would come down, they'd make, say, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pay this. And the, the priest would show up and say, so, so are, are you gonna pay this? Oh, oh, I was just kidding. I, well, I can't really do that. I, I, I know I made that vow, but it was a mistake. See, see don't, don't do this. Don't make marital vows. You have no intention. It's better that you never get married than that you make a vow to your spouse in front of God and everybody and don't fulfill them. God will not be mocked. God, get me out of this financial hole and I promise I'll give faithfully. I promise you'll get my tithes and offerings. I promise that you will take first place in my finances. And then God does his part and you go, oops, it was a mistake. God, I was really, you took me seriously on that? See, God doesn't just look the other way. He doesn't go, no problem, you know, we'll let it slide again and again and again. 
In fact, what he says is pretty daunting. Did you hear what he says? Why should God be angry at your voice? You just keep lifting your voice. And what your voice says to God every time it opens is, I promise to do this and I won't do it. And then destroy the work of your hands. That's, that's big. God's not going to be mocked. You don't make empty promises to God without consequences. Marriage vows aren't a joke. Baby dedications, when the parent vows, we will raise this child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I'm saying this in front of God to everybody. That's not to be taken lightly. Getting baptized, saying I'm going under, I'm being dunked, I'm, 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 I'm being buried with him in baptism, raised to now walk in newness of life is not just a ritual. Making a financial promise is not just words in God's ears just to get him to move on your behalf. See, some of you can't understand when it comes to money. Why? Why does my money just seem to disappear like like water through a sieve? I mean, I make good money. I work hard. I just can't ever seem to get on top of it. It seems like I keep having one financial problem after another. Doctor bills, car accidents, bad investments, stupid purchases, living above my means, and I can't seem to do it. Maybe, maybe it's because you made a promise to God and you reneged and said, no, I'm not going to do it. Maybe you think you can just casually walk away. Because after all, he's God. And your idea of God is it's his job to forgive. He has to. You know, Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? To which we all go, amen. That's an awesome verse. Turn it around. Because the opposite's also true. If God is against you, who can be for you? I mean, seriously. And, and Solomon says, why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? Do you understand? If God wants to come after you, nothing will stop him. I don't care if you've got the greatest financial planner in the world or you have 85 them at your disposal to get together and decide how to invest your money. You're done. I, I don't care if the economy is booming. Nothing will stop God. You understand this? So what's the answer? How do we not bring the sacrifice of fools before God? Look what he says in verse 7. For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, there's emptiness, it's vaporous, it's meaningless. But God is the one you must fear. What's the answer? Fear God. Fear God. See, you can promise all kinds of things in God's presence. Right? Today's the day. Everything changed. I'm getting serious about my faith. I'm going to save the world. I'm going to memorize my Bible. I'll never sin again. Sign me up. Right? I'm in a growth group. I'll start serving next week. I'm getting it done. Everything's going to happen for me today. Dream, dream, dream. Words, words, words. And Solomon says, vanity, meaningless, absurd, ridiculous. You're not going to do it. Your words matter. But your actions matter more than your words. Talk is cheap. Living is hard. Right? Doing is easy. Saying is easy. Doing is hard. See, see, it's far better that what you and I would do 
is come in to worship God because we see him for what he does and who he is and we say, you know, I want to walk humbly. Better to listen to him and do what he asks you to do than to make a bunch of empty promises. Now, how do you do that? How do you not just make a bunch of stupid promises and walk humbly before God? You fear him. What does that mean? You worship him. You reverence him. You stand in awe of him. See, the reason we make empty promises, we don't think God is who he says he is. The reason we fill his ears with empty words, the reason we don't listen intently, the reason we treat church as a religious duty and a box to check is because we don't stand in awe of God. We treat him lightly. You know what the word glory means? The word glory means heavy. And we, we treat God lightly. We don't really worship in other words, worship, coming to church, is all about God. It's all about God. It's not about you. It's not about your agenda. It's not about Foothill Church. It's not about me. It's not about my dreams, your dreams coming true. It's about God and his glory being manifested through us in our world. See, see the Bible says that apart from Jesus, we're fools. We are like dumb animals. We talk too much, we listen too little, and we are far more prideful and manipulative than we care to believe. And this is where God is so different. God always keeps his promises. So that he says, I'm gonna send my son in human flesh to come and walk on the earth and he will walk before you in humility. And in him you will find all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And he will speak to us, to you, by his spirit and through his word. And he wants you to listen to him. And you're going to hear a voice from heaven in, in the gospel say, This is my son. Listen to him. Why? Because God just gets sad and like, Man, nobody's here to listen to me. And gosh, you all just walk away. And I have all these great, you know, no. He's saying, I'm, I'm telling you how life works, how eternity works, how everything lines up. I created all this. And wisdom is simply me going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get in rhythm with what God has done. I'm trying to keep you from killing yourself. And he forgives us and he cleanses us from righteousness when we repent. And you know what? Some of you need to repent. Like some of you, you need to confess your sins to God. Confess the vows that you have made and not kept. Relationship vows, husbands and wives, friends, right? Financial vows, lifestyle vows, vows to serve and you're not serving. Vows of holiness. I will walk holy and humbly before you. And then what you do is you say, okay, God, I've repented. I'm sorry. I really, I mean, my heart breaks over this. Now, God, give me the grace to bring my life back into a alignment with you and then and then pledge yourself carefully cautiously circumspectly to walk humbly with God so in a few moments just a minute we're gonna we're gonna take communion right we're gonna we're gonna remember God's forgiveness and grace toward us when we repent and we'll take up our tithes and our offerings and 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 you, you'll be able to 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 Pay the vows that you have made to God. This is all part of walking in fear and reverence before God. It's all part of worship. Listen up. Shut up. Pay your vows. 
fear. Worship God. Let's pray. Before we, before we close in prayer, I want to close by praying, especially for Pastor Chris, as he's going to China the next a couple weeks. And as he shared earlier, he has a great opportunity. But without the power of the Holy Spirit with him and behind him and, and preaching and teaching through him, uh, you know, it's not worth much. So we want to pray for his safety and the power of the Holy Spirit to be with him as he goes. So uh, he's right up here. Would you guys mind uh, stretching out your hands? And um, Oh, wait, he's coming up. Oh, and Tucker. Tucker's going with them, so we want to pray for them. So stretch out your hands up here, and, uh, and, and let's, uh, let's pray for them. God, we, we thank you for this opportunity that first that you've given uh, for Chris to go and teach and preach the word of God in, in some remote areas of China. And, and so, God, as, as you've given that opportunity, I pray first that you would protect uh, Tucker and Chris. Pray you protect them as they fly over there. Pray that you'd be with them as they're driving places and on buses to go different places. And that you'd keep them safe, keep them healthy as they're maybe exposed to different uh, forms of diseases and sicknesses that, that we don't have over here. God, keep them healthy and safe over there. And then, God, most importantly, as they go, God, be with Chris as he teaches the word of God, as he preaches the word of God. I pray that as he teaches those leaders and pastors of different remote areas and tribes and, and regions, that that would, that would bring forth fruits, that they, they in turn would share the gospel in their regions, and that we would see the light of the gospel shine brightly from this one, one trip that, that Chris takes. God, be with them, help them, and let the light of the gospel shine brightly. In your name we pray. Everybody said? Amen.